This is Mission Qualphone, a monthly podcast that takes you inside the workings of our company, but not just the ins and outs of business. We look at the ideas and insights that make Qualphone truly unique. As a company, we are committed to being the best and making each person's life better. Join us as we get to know and learn from people from across the organization. What's their story? What have they learned? And how do they live out Qualphone's mission? Welcome to Mission Qualphone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Mission Qualphone podcast. Hey, Jeremy. Hi, Marisol. This is uh, episode two of season four, right? Or episode 61. Or episode 61, depending on how you look at it. Yes, yes. <laughs> depending on how we label it yeah. <laughs> on our platforms. Uh, episode 61, yes. And we, I'm so excited. You're going to, this, this is a special episode solely for the fact that it's the first time we had to bleep someone out. <laughs> yes, our first bleep. Uh, was from this episode <laughs> only because they got so passionate. They were ta- they were speaking so passionately about their experience here at Qualphone and our mission. So it was with love, a yes. little bleep. But <laughs> I think going in there was a fourth season. You know, I was like, <laughs> I wasn't sure if, if we had it in us to really do more. To be honest, mm-hmm. there was a part of me that was like, oh, I mean. How much more can we do? I mean, I knew we had people and I know everyone has a story and I know our mission is worth every episode we do. But when we did our last episode, we started with episode 60 with Tracy Miller. Mm-hmm. I felt the magic again, Jeremy. I was like, I think we can do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a good, I thought that was a good season opener. Uh, what what I'm looking forward to about this episode is there's something about our leaders in the Philippines. So we'll be talking with with one of our leaders from the Philippines and they're just always fun to talk to. They're always great interviews and that it's so vibrant. Uh, our, our centers in the Philippines are just so vibrant and awesome. So there's always a, a good energy whenever we have anyone on from the Philippines. So I'm looking forward to, to that. I think let's just go straight to it. Let's introduce our very special guest from the Philippines. We are very happy to have with us today from the Philippines, Iman Sanchez. Iman, welcome and thanks for coming today. No, thank you very much, Jeremy Marisol. Uh, very excited to be here. I'm very happy about this podcast and just just really glad for this day. You're our, our site director in Manila, Philippines. That is correct. I have a special place for you because la- at the end of last season, you sent me an email. And I love receiving any feedback about the podcast. Jeremy and I both do because, you know, we put this out there and you, know, <laughs> you don't know how it lands. You know, we were talking about the Philippines. We want to represent the Philippines more. And... And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that you've listened to the podcast and that you, you know, you wanted to talk about your site in the Philippines and Manila. I mean, it's a huge part of the BPO industry. And as we were joking before the call, uh, a big part of our business. So I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you. I've never been to the Philippines, so I appreciate you wanting to come on and, and represent. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt, but I'm going to interrupt. Emin, you know, you should really have Marisol and I come to the Philippines. I'm just going to throw that out there. 
<laughs> oh, uh, I, I, I think I've said it uh, when I met you guys, and I've said it to a couple of folks in our, you know, U.S. counterparts. Like, you guys should come to the Philippines. It's a very beautiful country. Uh, very friendly, helpful people. Our beaches are like awesome uh, in the whole world. And it's my country. That's why I'm more biased. <laughs> but you guys just come here and we'll take care of you. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been there a few times. I love it. I would send my wife pictures and she would get so, uh -huh. so mad that, that, you know, it's like, it's like freezing. Why didn't you bring me? It's yeah. like, yeah, exactly. It's like freezing here. And she's seen these beautiful pictures of the beaches and she's like, I want to go there. So no, uh, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted to throw it out there. Him and Marisol I, and I would be happy dying, to go there. Yeah. Yes. I'm dying to go. I, I've been hinting strongly, but I need to find a, <laughs> You know, what, what's our four agreements? Uh, spend, one of them is spend wisely. I need yes, to find multiple reasons. Yeah. yeah. I'll need to have multiple reasons <laughs> to go to the Philippines. Uh, but uh, I'm dying to go and I can't wait. And I'm sure. So can I ask the first question? Let's end up how you ended up at Qualphone. You are someone else in the industry who started out as an agent like myself and, and many other guests on the on the podcast. And we really are trying to reach out to our agent population and our supervisor population. How did you end up here? How did you end up at Qualphone? How did you end up as a site manager? Tell us, tell us your journey. No, absolutely. Um, and I always share my journey to most of the folks that I can share it to just mainly because I want to continue inspiring people in terms of my story. So uh, I started as an agent and one of the things I always share as a story of my life is that when I started as an agent and here in the Philippines, our literacy rate for English is actually around 99%, which is awesome, right? Uh, not a lot of country can say that, but I learned it the hard way and we actually have English subjects uh, in our education for primary and secondary. So we know how to talk and speak English, right? But when I started as an agent in a call center, I learned it the hard way that speaking English is different from conversing in English and conversing in an American accent, mainly because I can speak English, but I was pretty bad. Like I was really bad. I didn't pronounce it well. My subject verb agreement was really off. And that's just mainly because, you know, I'm a Filipino. You don't talk normally in the streets with American accent. Right. Like people will mm -hmm. find you funny, especially where I come from. So story of my life, I didn't grow up rich. I grew up actually really poor. And you know this, Marisol, because I've shared this in Toastmasters, right? And, you know, I grew up literally from the streets and, you know, we know English because it's part of our education, but we don't do American accent at all. Mm. So mm -hmm. when I started in the call center industry, when I was an agent and a lot of the Filipinos can relate to this, it was night and day difference. And it was scary at first when you when you go to the phones, because you're not confident enough that, you know, you can speak good English and communicate it very well. But at the same time, not only that your pronunciation is off, your subject verb agreements off, even your, you're always groping for words. Mm -hmm. Like you're always looking for words that you can use and you can't express yourself too much because your, your vocabulary was limited. Uh, and, can, can I, can I interject yeah. there? Cause I mean, that first call that 
regardless if if English is your first language, like that first live call that an agent mm. takes is nerve wracking. Period. Absolutely. But when then yeah. you add a second language as your the <laughs> when you're going to take those calls yep. out, I could only I'm listening to you and I'm imagining if I had to take a call in Spanish, which I speak Spanish, but it's not my first language. So when Correct. I I speak it, I, I know what you're talking about that like conversation you have to have in your head and, and flipping it. So that's a, it's a great point to to point out. No, absolutely. So I didn't speak English at all. I was poor. And I actually told myself, and this was 18 years ago. I've been in the industry for 18 years. I actually told myself, this is never going to work if I'm not going to be good at English. Mm. Like I knew I was smart. Like I was a scholar or trying to really be a scholar in, in school, in primary and, and in college. And I, I, I was an engineering graduate, but I was really having problems with English. But I knew early on when I was an agent that for me to be able to progress, not even in a call center anywhere, no matter how much I know, no matter how much knowledge I have, if I cannot communicate that to the people that I'm talking to, it's nothing. It's worth nothing. So I decided 18 years ago, I have to be good at English. And I constantly ask people when I talk publicly, now I talk publicly, which is weird. And I ask people, ask me what I did. Then they ask me what? I told them there's no magic sauce to anything. <laughs> I really worked hard on it. Like literally, I spoke English for three months straight without talking, you know, our local language. Like I spoke English straight. Can you imagine when I was starting like my first or week or first month? I had my PNF was off. Like the word perfect is always perfect for me. I did have th sounds like like uh -huh. these, those there. Uh -huh. Three. My number three is three without th. And the kind of ridicule that I received from other people because I constantly spoke English everywhere, even in the pantry. <laughs> it's, you know, I had to endure that. Like, so I spoke English constantly. Like people like, why are you speaking English? Like. You know, I mean, we're not on the phones. We're outside, literally. And I'm like, no, I have to do this. I have to practice. And there's that's the only way I could do it. And I could improve to the so point. You immersed yourself. You, you immersed yourself in yeah. the language. Yeah. I, I watch a lot of TV shows. I watch a lot of movies. And I actually had to repeat after them. Like, I would tend to pause a movie or a show. And I would repeat what they were saying. And one of the tricks too, specifically like when I give to people an advice is that uh, for Filipinos, the way we speak is very easy with our local language because we don't move a lot of our mouth. It's almost stagnant. <laughs> but in English, you really need to move all of the components of your mouth, your mm. tongue, how you pronounce things, right? It's very different in terms of the physical aspect of moving your mouth when you speak the local language that we have. Uh, and that's one of the things that I, I tell people. Like I've been, I've been speaking English for three months nonstop. That my, when I was at home, I was still speaking English. And then my mom, one of those days, my mom actually just, she was really puzzled. And I was like, she was like, son, can you come over here? Can you tell me and be honest with me? She said. Can you tell me and be honest with me? Are you taking drugs? 
Like, <laughs> are you on drugs? Why are you constantly speaking English even at home? And again, I've decided early on that I have to practice. And I knew for a fact that that's the kind of ridicule, probably shame, or, you know, just the difference of thinking of other people, even from my mom that I would receive. I knew it would happen, but I still did it. Like, long story short, that was really my foundation in terms of where I am right now. No magic sauce, hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, passion, determination, grit, you name it. Emin, sorry to interrupt, but I, I just want to ask you the first, a little context, right? For for those of us that may be listening from the States, the Philippines is is a global headquarters of contact centers, right? There are, there are not yes. just Qualphone, but so many companies that, and, and it makes sense, right? Because there's a very qualified population uh, of employees in the Philippines. So lots of companies want to operate in the Philippines because it's a well-educated workforce. There's lots of people that are very technically savvy. It just makes a lot of sense. But uh, what people sometimes don't understand is that uh, so in the IT park in Cebu, for instance, there are all these buildings with all of these contact centers and 99% of the clients that they work with are English speaking. And yes. so it's, there's a need obviously for folks that are proficient at English. And so that's why there's, there's such this, this push for English proficiency. But I, I did just want to say this really quick. Marisol and I, who are in the United States, though Marisol is fluent in another language, I struggle enough with English, but it's very impressive to me that in the course of a day, I'll be on calls with people from the Philippines, from Mexico, from Guyana, from India. And it's so impressive to me that most of the folks I work with on a daily basis maybe not most, half, probably a lot of the folks, English is not their first language. So yeah. kudos to all these professionals that I work with that that have had to master a second or even a third language in some cases. In the Philippines, I don't know if people are aware of this, there are so many different languages in the Philippines. There are. So that's impressive. I just wanted to throw that out there. But here's here's the question I really want to ask, and that is, Okay, you're you're an agent. You know you need to get better at your English. You made that a goal. How did you get to a site director? Walk us through that in your career-wise. How did you get from being that new agent who's committed to getting better at English to being where you are now as a site director? Thank you. Thank you for that question, Jeremy. And you you guys have to keep me in line because I talk a lot sometimes uh, just because <laughs> I'm just really well, engaged in telling my side of the story. That's why we because... wanted you on the podcast, Emin. Yeah, that's why <laughs> we wanted you on the podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. When I did request that the Philippines need to be more involved, I was thinking more of someone else. When you asked me <laughs> to do the podcast, I was like, okay, why me? Did I put myself into trouble and just doing the <laughs> podcast? But anyways, I guess, and I always say this with one of my talks, especially with my employees, that I knew for a fact, too, that early on, opportunity always comes. It does. Eventually, it will come. The real question there is, are you ready when it's there? And when I was an agent, I just keep pushing forward. Like, 
that was my foundation. English, I have to be good at English. And then I became a supervisor. And then I read a lot. Specifically for supervisors, I have a lot of things to say. But me being able to read a lot, uh, it gave me access to a vast amount of knowledge that I didn't even know before. And one of the most influential to me was John Maxwell. And up until this point in my life, I, I'm still bummed that I haven't met him personally. But John Maxwell and his book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, mm-hmm. that changed me as a supervisor. Those laws, th- those spe- spoke to me when I read it, still speaks to me up until this point. Like one of my most favorite is simplest, you know, no bullshit, just concept leadership is influence. We'll edit that out. <laughs> Okay, yes, sorry. Please edit that. <laughs> I love the passion, though. I love the passion. I mean, I'm just having a conversation. So leadership is influence. And that's part of 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Mm. And I believe that. If you have influence over your people, whether it's good or bad, hopefully it's good, leadership is all about influence. Uh, I also like the law of magnetism where he said that the concept is the way you are as a person, your characteristics, uh, you know, your leadership skills, your traits as a human being, that's also the same kind of people that you will attract, right? Mm. And you guys would have the same purpose. You guys would have the same characteristics. And that makes what makes a great team. And that's also one of the things why I like Qualphone because... Be the best to make each person's life better. We don't just say that. We mean that. And what I always tell to other people, not only our Qualphone employees, but people outside, compare us with other, we're not the biggest, we're not the grandest, but we mean what we say. And compare us with the bigger companies. You'd see, you know, the other call center companies they do a lot of things in the community and then they post it on social media. Mm. They put it out there. And we don't do that because we do it for the purpose of doing it. Community service, outreach, but not to advertise and market it. That's one of the things I really like about, you know, Qualphone. But anyways, going back, if I'm going to give an advice to a supervisor or our supervisors, you know, I read a lot. I read a lot of books. I, I read a lot of PDF files and leadership. But at the end of the day, I'm a simple man who lives in a simple world. And there's two things you need to satisfy to really be able to manage your employees. Number one, you need to satisfy this category. People need to know what they're doing. People need to know what they're doing. Notice this in two buckets of uh, high performers and outliers or bottom performers. Outliers or bottom performers, they don't like going to work. Why would they? They drag themselves to work because mm-hmm. it's going to be like, oh, this is another day. It's going to be tough. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. or I, I'm not knowledgeable enough. But if you're a top performer, you'll go to work every day. Like, oh, this is another day. This is another day to be awesome. And who controls that? Like, who controls influencing, teaching, developing people to know what to do. It's us. It's our leadership. It's our culture. It's our training. It's everyone else. So people need to know what to do. 
on their job, right? That's the first category. The second category is that people need to like the people that they're working with. And that's how you manage a team. You need to know what you're doing and you need to like the people that you're working with. And again, who influences those two? The know and the like. It's us. Right. The kind of culture that you create, our mission statement, the strides, and everything else that encompasses that layers and sub-layers of our mission, that's the culture that we create. People need to know what they're doing and people need to like the people that they're working with. I've had the mm-hmm. opportunity to sit in on, and I don't know if you've had this chance yet, Iman, and, and Mike will be in the Philippines and you guys will have a chance to do this. In fact, Marisol- well, He was here today. Oh, yeah. well, there you go. So yeah. if if you sit in to sit through that training that, that our CEO, Mike Morrow, is doing, I like the way he says it. He says, we want employees that run to work, not crawl to work. And I think, I think that's exactly what you're talking about when you provide an environment, when you're using your influence to make it a place where people want to, want to come to work. And you, you mentioned Maxwell. My first Maxwell book was also the 21 irrefutable laws. And the second book of his that I read was the 360 leader, which is interesting because we have our Qualphone 360 momentum that's happening now. And, and Marisol obviously can speak to that. But I just wanted to throw that out there that, that Mike is using verbiage similar to what you are, Iman, in that we want people who, who want to come to work instead of crawl to work every day. <laughs> I think that's so important. No, yeah, I agree 100%. I was just going to say, when he said that, I was like, oh, this sounds so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the wanting to like have employees want, it's that feeling. I, I always uh, describe it as that feeling of like when you had a field trip at school that you were just, you know, you jumped out of bed, you were super excited. Yeah. You couldn't wait to like get going. Uh, that's, you didn't even sleep last night. That's right. Yeah, you were so yeah, and when I'm like when I'm lit up or I'm working on a project that that I feel like that that's how that's what I and I that's the for me you know my personal EVP about Qualphone um, is that desire to help me be the best person I could be and that's just it's pretty amazing I I love that so let me follow up so we've talked about supervisors and I kind of want to since I have you on and and you know, you're a subject matter expert on this. Jeremy and I really want to to reach out to the supervisors this season and, and get them on and, and talk to them. What's some of the advice that you would have for a brand new supervisor? Because I always think this is such an important role, the, the role of supervisor, because for many, it could be the first taste of authority that they have or power and and I, I love that we work for a company that allows us to to really have these deep conversations and deconstruct things about leadership at, at all levels. So what's what are your ideas about the role of supervisor and what's the advice you would give to someone who's who's getting this for the first time? No, thank you. I think that's a great question. And I was trying I'm trying to remember when I was a new supervisor, what really worked out for me. And I think one of the things that really worked out for me was I was not afraid to raise my hand, regardless of whatever other people might say. And that's a personal thing too, right? Like 
sometimes people don't want to raise their hand because they don't want to think that, you know, other people think that, oh, you don't know that? I was like that. Like, I constantly raised my hand because I knew for a fact that I don't know everything and I need help with other things. And that's been a trait that I've always had up until now. So don't be afraid to raise your hand. Don't be afraid to ask questions, either right or wrong or clarificatory you know, questions. Raise your hand. Ask the question. At the end of the day, you're just going to gain from it. Either or, you're going to gain from it, regardless of whatever other people say. And obviously, I'm this passionate because I've had a lot of dealings over my career where people were saying, oh, there's this guy again raising his hand, you know? And again, I was being ridiculed and people were like, you know, you're so weird. It's not like I didn't care. I just kept my eyes on the prize. I need to keep learning and I need to keep improving myself because that's how I want to pursue and that's how I need to go further. Because I have an end goal in mind and I knew the feeling of not having anything. And that kept me going and going and learning and learning up until this point. And uh, honestly, the weird thing about learning is that the more you learn, the more that you feel like you're more and more, for lack of a better term, stupid, and you still need to learn a lot of new things. The more that you learn, the more that you will discover that there's still a vast amount of knowledge even out there that we can't even comprehend. So. My advice to especially new supervisors, do not be afraid to raise your hand, Mm. regardless of whatever other people say. Iman, has anyone ever come up to you and said, hey, thank you for asking that question because I had the same question? Yes. Not a lot, but yes. Uh, And and. People tend to respect that too, right? Because just to have that courage to be able to ask that question, because sometimes people would have, and it's all run by emotions, right? And it's all run by the social hierarchy and you know how you feel or how, what you think and how you feel others might think of you. That all runs that behavior. And I think people need to get over that and just, Keep their eyes on the prize. I think that's the most critical thing. Yeah, my, my mentor has been saying that to me for 30 years is to that filter of I'm one of those people. I hate to ask questions uh, on a call. I'm the one that will ping you later privately because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just something I've always had since I was a little girl to to speak out is not to be you know bold is not natural. Um, for for me and many other people, that's one of the reasons you know I, I joined Toastmasters. Both he and I are are fans of Toastmasters, so we've mentioned it a few times on this podcast. But it's uh, it's great to hear that because I think you know when we talk about supervisors and leadership and this role of the mission leader, they are the front line to our our agents and they're the first ones who are going to give our agents a taste of what the mission's about so leading go going into that now pivoting into the mission how does the mission play out how 
how do you how are you not maybe the most popular kid or the most you know flashy kid on the block but we have this mission we have this belief system we have this you know the 3m messenger manager mentor philosophy how do you how does that play out for you let me think about that question a little bit more before joining qualphone in my actual cv what's indicated there is help other people be the best version of themselves. That's literally my tagline. And when I saw the mission of Qualphone, that just works out for me. Like, be the best and make each person's life better. I mean, that was the newer one. It was the older one before. But either or, it was just really aligned with who I am as a person, as a professional. And this is what drives me to work daily, like even, I mean, especially during the pandemic, right? Like uh, people would have the option to work from home and then work on site. And I always went to the site every day because I told if my team is expected to be on site, uh, because we're an on-site program, uh, all my programs are on site mostly, then I have to be here daily and I have to set the example. And I can never help them be the best version of themselves if I'm not influential enough, I'm not visible enough, I'm not interacting with them enough. And I think particularly for me, all the sub layers of our mission just works out really well. And at this point in my life, what really speaks to me is our strides, especially the spirituality part. Because this is the first time I saw a company put that in, you know, one of their sub layers of their mission. No company would put religion or whatever. It's not even about religion. It's about spirituality. And that speaks to me a lot. And regardless if people admit it or not, it also speaks to them. I know that for my site and I know that for the whole Philippines. So that's why people are fired, you know, going to work and we are who we are because of, you know, our mission. It's aligned with the values of our people. And that just really works out for me. Again, there's a lot of sub layers towards that. So let me know if I'm answering your question uh, straight. You're doing great. I love the way you pivoted into strides and and the spirituality. So because I agree, I agree completely with with the spirituality. I hadn't seen anything like that. I've seen other things that are important to me as a as a person that the company you know spoke of that other companies speak of. But spirituality was the thing that I was like, whoa, that's that's a differentiator, and yes, I'm here for it. So, so speak to that um, a little bit more, if you will, because I want I do want to lean into that a little. Sure. Let me put it this way. When we had nothing, all we had was our belief in God that at the end of the day, he will take care of us. And that kept us, me particularly, from, you know, having nothing, going, growing from the streets to still where I'm at right now. And having a company be able to talk about spirituality like that, not only to you, but giving the chance to other people experience that kind of 
feeling of spirituality, of belongingness, of faithfulness to God. It doesn't really matter if you're Muslim or Christian or Jew. It doesn't matter. Having that kind of feeling of belongingness and a company supporting that, it's something that you want to be part of. We're, we're all in borrowed time in this earth. And having that sense of faithfulness and belongingness and doing something that matters, I think no one in their deathbed said that I wish I had more money. It's always more of, I wish I was able to spend more time with my family. And I, I wish I was able to do more kindness and help other people be the best version of themselves or help other people get out of suffering and pain. And for me, having that sense of dignity and, and, and pride of belonging to a company who really embodies that, I can't even describe it. And I'm a person who talks a lot. But when it comes to divine intervention and faithfulness and belongingness, that speaks to me. And believe me when I tell you guys, that speaks a lot to a lot of people. Iman, that was beautiful. You said that so well. And and I think that just wraps up in such a great way what we hope to do as a company. It was great. We thank you so much for joining us today, Iman. It was great to meet you at the summit. By the way, we were able to meet Iman and his lovely wife at the summit in Mexico. And that was great. And we look forward to having having more conversations with Iman in the future. Thanks for coming today. Thank, no, thank you. you very much for having me. Thank you. I need to come up, Jeremy, with a better outro. I feel like at the outro, <laughs> I, I, I don't have a great call to action. I don't sound like a you know, you, you're a much better like radio voice person. Well, what well, would you suggest our outro be? We, well, we need a better outro. I was thinking, you know, maybe a musical routine, you know, <laughs> Carol Burnett, you know, she's Donnie and Marie. They'd sing a nice clothes. Are you, we could work on something like that. I can't sing. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying that is not a, a, what is it called? A, a, when a fake, I literally yeah. cannot sing. Like your ears would bleed. <laughs> No. Uh, well, I know we want our listeners to learn more about Qualphone, and they can do that at our website, Q-U-A-L-F-O-N.com. Might be a funny name, but a big heart. You think I could say that? That's great. I like that. <laughs> See if that gets, gets past the advisory team. Yeah. <laughs> and you can also follow us on LinkedIn and learn all about us from our website, our podcast. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to Jeremy and I. We are so glad that you listen and that you tune in and are as excited about season four as we are. Thanks, Marisol. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mission Qualphone. Remember, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, and we'll see you next time on Mission Qualphone.